the greatest gift we can give. I mean, I, I actually get emotional thinking about this. It's like, I believe that the greatest gift we can give another human being is our presence, um, our, uh, our, our connection with them, um, and to actually see them, to, to be able to see the other human being in front of us, not to move past them really quick as they're like, they're irrelevant or some kind of an object, but just to really see and connect with them. And so I think that when we hold a positive intention for each other, and we're very, very present, I think that that feels so good. And that makes us, you know, we're, we're at a point in time right now where we've got more ways to multitask, more ways to connect and all, and yet we are more isolated than ever. And part of the reason why we're more isolated is because we are moving so fast and we're so focused on our busyness and all these other pieces. When you actually stop and get present with someone and see them and have empathy for them, you now create an intangible connection, which is all about the heart. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm your host. My name's Dan Moyle, and I believe in the power of not story this time, although I do. But today, this episode, I believe in the power of leadership at all levels of life. As storytellers, it's important to understand leadership and showing up, which is why I'm stoked for today's conversation with a fantastic storyteller who I just converted to become a storyteller. Uh, before we get into that, a quick reminder that resources and inspiration to tell better stories, all of that is at my website. Visit thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes, for educational resources, and for contact information for me if you want to talk about story. And be sure to subscribe to the show via email so you can stay up to date with everything going on here. So let's get to know today's guest. Now, Anise Cavanaugh is an author. She's a speaker, an entrepreneur, the creator of the IEP method, which stands for Intentional Energetic Presence. She's a leadership and collaboration advisor and a thinking partner for business leaders in all kinds of industries. And she's not one to sit still. That was enough for you. She's also a mom, a dog rescuer, a sister, a daughter, a friend, an advocate for children's food and spirit security. And she's just doggone awesome. Listen to the quote from her website, uh, from, from her website about section. I love people. I love the human spirit. I love purpose. And I love what happens when we all show up together. And I love that. That's incredible. That's such a great quote. Um, and he's founded her business and this body of work about 20 years ago because she saw the essentialness of showing up with a capital S and a capital U showing up of being present and intentional and taking care of ourselves in relationship to healthy leadership and creating positive impact in the world. And we get into all of that in the conversation. I've had the privilege of actually meeting Anise in person, as well as reading her newest book, Contagious You, which just came out three days ago as you're listening to this, as this goes live. It's a great read full of amazing information and inspiration, both to help you lead better, whether you're a leader in a huge company or a leader in your own home or just a leader of your own life, we can all use that help. So it's time to let you meet Anise. Let's get to the story. Anise Cavanaugh, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Dan, for having me. It's an honor. 
Thanks. So, Anise, when I reached out to you and said, hey, I'd like you to be on this podcast about storytelling, were you surprised or do you consider yourself a storyteller? Uh, <laughs> when you reached out to do a podcast, I was not surprised. I was super excited. When I saw that it was about storytelling and you said, what are your stories? Something to that effect. I thought to myself at first, oh, I'm not really a storyteller. Oh, boy. I, I, I think he's got the wrong person. I'm not a, I'm not a total storyteller. However... You, as I was mentioning before we started, you invited me, your invitation invited me to start looking at storytelling in a different way. And I think that I've never considered myself a storyteller. However, I think that I live my life in story. So, so I guess, so I guess I am. I just, yeah. I just didn't think of it that way before, before we talked about this. What a, what a cool perspective. Cause I mean, as I was, so, so you very generously let me look at contagious you before the release. So, um, so as I'm reading it, and, and talking to you in person too, when we met the first time, like I see you as a storyteller. I think we kind of all are, yeah. but it's, it's interesting to hear the perspective from different folks who have written books or speak on stage or whatever yeah. we all do. Like, I think it's really cool. So, so it, once you kind of convince yourself that you're a storyteller, where do you think that starts for you? Can you look back over your life and go, I think I was always preparing for this. Or did you come to a point where you were like, yes, I'm a storyteller. So it's, so it's, um, it's funny. So I work with a lot of designers and, uh, I work with a lot of designers. And one of the things is when they talk about design, they talk about the craft of storytelling. And then even I speak a lot and I write books. So there's the craft of storytelling for speaking and for writing books. But in my mind, psychologically, I think I had storytelling as this special role of something that somebody with a ton of skill around storytelling does. And that there's this whole craft behind it and this process and this formality around how do you become a storyteller and so I just I want to I want to back that up a little bit um with some of my the noise that I had going in my head when I started thinking about storytelling yeah. but here's what here's what I noticed as I look at this I can go back to when I was a little girl and a million different stories and I've always been telling stories because that's life I think that's how we live our lives is through story I, I can't think of any conversation I'm having where there's not some storytelling now Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. there's no, you're, you're like, of course it makes sense, Denise. That this, is, this is the whole reason <laughs> I'm asking the question. But I, but I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for the questions because it had me start looking at it differently where I went, I'm, if I'm having dinner with somebody or I'm making dinner or I'm talking to my dog, I'm usually telling some kind of a story. I just didn't frame it that way. Right. Why do you think we do that so naturally? We'll start there. Why do we do it so naturally? Why is that part of who we are? Do you think? I think it's connection. Hmm. I think it's connection. I think that, I think that if we just walked around and we were just constantly telling people what to do or telling people just the facts about everything, I think that that's, it's pretty dry. You know, it's uh, it's, it would almost be prescriptive versus to me when we're, when we're actually sharing something that's happened and we're sharing our experience and we're sharing the emotion and the surprise and the learning or whatever it is, I think that that storytelling is so rich that it creates connection and it creates a, um, a bridge to the other person to step on to, to then go into their story and to build the story together. So I think, I think storytelling is just, for me, it's connection. And I've been thinking about this in preparation for our conversation too, is like, there's the, and I'm going to, I'm going to totally sound pandering, but I don't think like it's contagious, right? Uh -huh those stories that connect us are contagious and it helps us to bring our best self to other people rather than just telling facts. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and I, and I love what you said about surprise. It brings the surprise. Like that's, that's, that's a very good perspective. Um, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I don't, I don't know, Dan, I don't know how we learn without storytelling. So yeah. now, so now I'm going to contradict myself in the very beginning when I said, I don't think I'm a storyteller and now go, actually the only way that I've ever been able to teach anybody anything has been by storytelling. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't think that we can really actually, when I think about the people that I've learned from, the greatest learnings I've ever had is when somebody was willing to open up their heart and be really vulnerable in telling their story. And then that allowed me permission to consider where that story resonates for me and then to get my, you know, so I, I don't know how we learn at our best and how we connect from our hearts if we don't have storytelling in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I find myself after, I mean, gosh, this is over a hundred episodes now. I find myself in conversations when someone's telling me a story, even if they're just sharing an experience with me, I, I listen, I try to be more present because it used to be as soon as someone tells you a story, you start going, oh yeah, well, when I was a kid, I did, and, and like you almost compete for story. Yeah. And, I, and I still like to share my story to connect. It's that empathy, but I try to be so much more present and listen. Um, so for those listening that I don't do that too, I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is, I like what you said, Anissa, it connects us. I 100% agree. What do you think, how do we, tell better stories then like if we know that's just kind of innately in us mm-hmm. how do you think especially now that you've kind of reframed that for yourself what's kind of your next step in becoming a better storyteller mm-hmm. so i i remember okay so one of the, one of the awarenesses i've had since you and i even started ta- having talking about having this conversation is i've had the awareness that in my life in stories and when i'm listening to people's stories i'm so present to whatever's happening that I very quickly forget the story, very quickly. So I guarantee you already this morning, it's 11, 14. I guarantee you I've got about 15 stories I could tell you from this morning when I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. However, interactions with other people, business stuff, like anything, preparing for, preparing for our conversation. So what I've become aware of is that I'm so in it that I forget that there's actually a story to be told. And then if you say to me later, hey, tell me a story from today, I have to really think hard about what the story would be that I would tell you. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's one awareness. And what that brings me to is I'm constantly, whether I'm traveling or I'm working with a client or I'm on stage or I'm writing the book, there's constantly new stories being generated, but I take them for granted. And so part of my practice has become I have to start, and I did this with the book, I have to actually start mapping out what's the story I want to tell and giving myself guardrails around, here's the story, here's the person's name, here was my key learning, what was the emotion that came with it? And then if I can anchor that in on a pad of paper, it allows me to go back and remember it um, when, I'm, when I want to uh, offer that story in the future. Hmm. I remember years ago when I was um, really building out my business, I was doing a ton of work. I was traveling to a ton of different client sites. and I would leave the site and I would go, oh my gosh, there's this story for this. And there's this, this lesson I want to share with this. And I want to write this article about this. And I'd have so much stuff. And I'd get on the plane, I'd fly home, I'd come home and I'd go, God, what happened? What, what was that? What was so profound? So I started making a practice. And I remember one time on a, on a flight, I wrote down 21 different stories that I didn't think of as stories until this conversation we're having now. But I wrote down 21 different stories that I could then reference in the future that would help people make the connection to the core learnings. And those 20, that was a couple of years ago. Those 21 stories are still stories that I put in my talks and in my books now to, when I'm, when I'm really looking to anchor in a point. Hmm. 
So I hear you say awareness, self-awareness, situational awareness, being present, uh, and then just take notes. <laughs> like, like as simple as yeah. take notes. Take notes. It's, it's almost like at the, um, you know, I, I'm big on journaling. So I, I'll journal in the morning. I think that it would be really interesting at the end of the day, you know, to your question, what would I do now to become more of a story, a more intentional storyteller? I think at the end of the day, it's a really cool practice to go, what are three stories from today? that I want to capture and then anchor in three stories. You could do it on an index card, you know, three stories. And then I would, I would, I would mark uh, who it was with, what was the predominant emotion? What were three core points from that story? And what is my learning? Hmm. And I think that that could take, you know, that could be a 10 minute practice at the end of the day that would, that would completely create a new storytelling framework. You're, you're, you're looking like you're like, wait, maybe, maybe you should craft this. I think so. (laughs) I think we should do this. I think we, we should do we this because I was thinking so, I, so totally off the rails here, but I was thinking, so about it, I think it was a year ago, I made the commitment to every day, write down, I typed it in my phone, which maybe is anti-writing, but like I wrote down three things I was grateful for at the end of the day, every single day, mm-hmm. no matter how good or bad of a day it was, I could only do three, but I had to yeah. do three. Yeah. And so then I was thinking, okay, so this year I didn't do that. And I can tell there's a difference. Like I'm still grateful for things, but I can tell there's a difference. So I was thinking next year, I want to get a journal and I want to actually physically write with my hand three things I'm grateful for at the end of the day and why. But but what you just said though, totally blew my mind. I think I'm going to change it. Like that's amazing. That's so smart. I love that. Yeah. Write down three stories that happened and, and, and like the emotion and the anchor and everything else. So that was really good. And he said, that was mind blowing. We just came up with a new thing right there. I'm so excited. So, so, so the, the so I'm a total activator, right? So I, 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 I'm big on uh, getting people excited about something and then getting them into execution immediately. So mm-hmm. if we wanted to really run with this and right in this moment, we could do, you could do a 21 day challenge just here. You can have this, Dan, you do a 21 day challenge. I'll, I'll do it with you. Every single person listening to this, if you want to enrich your life and enrich the learning and the gratitude and the ability to connect with other human beings so that you don't take it for granted, at the end of the day, you do a practice. You spend 10 minutes, you write down your three stories, and then I don't remember what I said, but you go back and listen to those bullets and you put those down, and then that is is your story. And then I promise, intuitively, I know this is true, I'm just totally making this up as we go, I promise you that that is going to bring so much more richness around your life and keeping you also looking for the stories as they go. I, you know, Seth Godin, one of the things I've really learned from him is he blogs every single day. Hmm. And he talks about uh, if you're blogging every single day and you know you have to blog, you see the world differently. And that has really made an impact on my, in my, in my brain and in my heart because, I mean, think about that. If you, if you know that at the end of the day you're capturing three stories, you're going to be paying more attention to what those stories might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I just totally hijacked this and mm-hmm. took this in a different direction. However, I'm looking at your face and it's, it's looking really good. Yeah. This is why, this is why I love these conversations because I come in with my questions laid out like a, a framework, but it's, it's, it's structured chaos. It's structured conversation. Um, Cause yeah, you hijacking it. Totally awesome. I love that. Um, from the woman who's not a storyteller. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You just yeah. came up with a storyteller framework and you're not even a storyteller. That's amazing. Uh, so so I want to talk about Contagious You. Um, okay. a, big, 
a big part of the reason part of the reason why we began talking about this was because I because I, I wanted to to read the book. I heard you on Maiden Voyage with the company that I work with and stuff, and and loved the conversation about um about about that book. But now this one is Contagious You. And I, and I, and I was so excited to read it. I love it. I can't wait to give you reviews and help you launch this thing. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, who did you write this book for? Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for all the really amazing, kind, generous things that you just said and for your support. I, I, from the bottom of my heart, that means so much to me. Um, okay. So I wrote this book for human beings who want to have more impact in their lives and in their relationships and who also want to feel really good doing it. And it's really funny, you know, it's my entire career. I, I, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been a leadership and cultural advisor, health and productivity optimized optimization, all these different pieces. And at the end of the day, what I always come back to is I care about the human being and the impact they're having and that they feel great and they're healthy and they live a long, beautiful life. Like that's what I care about. And you know, we've, we've, we've played with breaking it down into different industries and niches and all stuff. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter. Whoever the, the work with contagious culture, that book, it touched industries. I didn't even think it would touch in ways that it did. And what we found was that being contagious and leading your life and leading in your organization or your industry or whatever, it doesn't matter what the industry is. If you're a human being who cares about leadership, and you want to feel good, then, then this work is for you. And so that was a big learning. That was a, when I wrote contagious culture, um, that, that book kind of what I saw happen after that book came out kind of freed me up from trying to niche. Uh, it was really interesting. It freed me up from like all the, you know, every time I would work with somebody, they'd be like, you got to niche and you got to do this and you got to target this, which I completely understand. And I completely appreciate. And I think there is absolutely tremendous value. And I, I know I can do better in it. And I kept finding that anytime I tried to niche, I would keep being proven wrong. I'd get a phone call from somebody else from a totally different industry. And so I just said, okay, let's just, let's just, let's human beings, please. So that, that freed up a lot of my energy to then look at, well, where do I want to now, where do I want to go with this work now even further? And so after contagious culture, there were so many amazing questions and rooms from people about, you know, how do I deepen my IEP practice? And IEP is your intentional energetic presence. And there's an entire methodology I created to help people have more impact and feel really good and not burn out. And so people would say, how do I, how do I increase my IEP practice? You know, how do I deal with that guy, you know, that guy or that gal, the person who is the lowest vibration in the room, who's exhausting me, who I'm doing all my stuff. I'm showing up really beautifully, but they're just sucking the life out of, they're sucking the life out of the room. Like, how do I deal with that person? And People wanted to learn more tools and just a ton, a ton of really good questions. And so when it came time to write the next book, there was actually two different books I was thinking about and the universe and every room I was in just kept pointing back to Contagious You. So Contagious You is a, um, I wrote it to be Contagious Culture's BFF. It stands totally by itself. So you can read Contagious Culture without, or Contagious You without Contagious Culture and vice versa. However, if you read them together, they both support what I find they both support organizations in different ways. And so they, they play nice together. They also stand alone. And when you talk about leadership, I mean, obviously it's like, like managers, leaders, bosses, that's good for, but I don't think you would think only, I don't think you picture only those people. If I'm, if I'm not leading yeah. you too much here, when you talk yeah. leadership, what does that mean to you? 
Yeah, great. Oh gosh, thank you so much for grabbing that. Uh, yeah, I think of leadership, I think of any human being who is leading their life, I, I consider them a leader. So, because it doesn't matter, I could be a stay-at-home parent, I could be a gardener, I can be the CEO of a major company, I'm still, I'm, whether I'm leading an organization or I'm just leading my life, I'm still leading. And so anyone that wants to have authority in their life and make things happen and actually drive their life versus everybody else drive their life for them, that's leadership. And so, um, you know, one of the industries that this work has had a really big impact in that, that I didn't expect was in education. And, you know, you've got education, you've got education from students to administrators, to principals, to teachers, to, it, it, does, it doesn't matter. It's, um, it, it's always coming back to, if you're leading your life, then this is stuff to be considering so that you do it at choice. Mm -hmm. And, and again, you talk about professional, which is awesome. Like we need professional, we need professional help. We, as professionals, we need help with that. Um, but also like, like as I was reading the book, I was thinking, you know, I can use this in my own life when I have personal connections that maybe are the lowest vibration in the room or, sure. you know, when I read this book and I think, oh, I need to give this to, you know, Tommy because yeah. he needs this. And like, but wait a minute, I want to share it with Tommy for sure. But Tommy is my personal connection. I just need to be. I need to show up with better intentions, with better energy and with better presence and influence in that way. So be that leader rather than say, here, this is for you. Be better. Yeah. Like it's, it's for yeah. us. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's, it's another, I, I love, I love your, I love your, um, I love where you, where you go with these questions or these pointings because you're, you're talking about one of the things I say in the book is when you're reading it. And I, I think I, I say this really early on as you're reading it, don't read it for them. Don't read it for everybody around you. The biggest mistake people make when they get into leadership development or this kind of work is they go, oh, yeah, I've got this handled, but Tommy really needs this. And I'm going to make sure Tommy has this on his desk on Monday. Yeah. And my invitation to people is forget about everybody around you and do this work for yourself. Because if you really allow yourself to have the work, if you really allow yourself to do this to embody it, we become more of an invitation to Tommy. So we become even more positively contagious. And so when Tommy is having a hard time or he's, you know, like I always call him George, George or Georgette is always the person the lowest vibe in the room. When Tommy's having a really hard time, um, if I can be more of an invitation and model presence and care and being in my own space in a way that's really healthy, that actually is going to invite him to join me at that vibration versus me going after Tommy and being like, hey, you got a really low vibe. You really got to work on it. Here's this book. You got to read this. It doesn't work. It creates resistance. So it's a lot of the book is looking at how do you become an invitation for others to step into greater leadership and presence versus, you know, being prescriptive and telling them what to do, which none of us like to be told what to do. Right. Uh, the, uh, the other piece is that, you know, you're pointing to one of my favorite things about this work is that, and why I always say it's human, it's for humans is because this work follows people home. So one of the biggest bits of feedback I'll get when I work with people, you know, they could be, executive in a huge organization is so they'll say, Oh my gosh, Anise, I'm using this coaching my kids' soccer team. Mm -hmm. I'm using this in my marriage. I'm using this with my family at Thanksgiving. You know, we're coming upon the holidays pretty soon. And I, I know not many other better places than holiday dinners to really start practicing <laughs> managing your space and yeah. not getting hooked into family drama, you know, so it, it does get home. And then I guess the last piece is that if we do take it back into professional, you know, the more, people you're responsible for and leading, in my opinion, the more people you're responsible for leading, the, the bigger your responsibility, then the bigger your response ability 
to you know being able to respond to people in a way where you use this content and you're more positively contagious in service of them so there is so there is a professional responsibility i believe that comes with really practicing some of what i talk about yeah and in service of the in service of them is huge i want to get to that in a minute because i have a question for that um yeah but as you're, as you're talking, I, I keep thinking, this sounds very inbound. And for those longtime listeners, as an in, uh, I'm an inbound marketing professional, and we met at Inbound in Boston. Um, yeah. Like, it's a very inbound way to do it. Rather than push, 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 the world has changed to where when you pull and you become contagious, whether it's yeah. your marketing, your sales, or this leadership style, like, it's really powerful. So, so thank you for being yeah. a part of that, that movement. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. It really is. I, I personally, I find it, I find that my leadership gets easier and easier and that more and more opens up for me and I can actually be of more service to people around me when I relax and work from the inside out and just work on myself and getting really clean in my own energetic presence so that then I can see more clearly how I can support other people. And then I become more of an invitation. It's, it's very, it is very contagious. I hate to, you know, as you said earlier, I hate to keep throwing it out there. And there's a reason why I, I call this work contagious, it's contagious, right? contagious you. And then here's the thing, a contagious culture is nothing but a bunch of contagious you's hanging out. Yes. So imagine if we're all doing our work and we're all really showing up in a way that's usefully contagious, not just positive, but actually usefully contagious because you can be positively contagious and not very useful. So, you know, both is important. If we're doing that, then we more naturally, more organically are going to have a contagious culture, positively yeah. contagious culture. Absolutely. And, and we have to be that culture, not do the culture. I love that too. Yes. Um, so I found it very interesting when you said leadership and in service of them. So, because I servant leadership is something that I've been exploring the last few years. I love that idea. Um, so at the beginning of part four in your book, uh, bring people with you, enroll them and serve them. I love that headline. And I can see how that works in marketing and getting our story out there, this kind of thing. Like that's what we talk about on this show. And that's what I do in professionally is enroll them, serve them, and they will tell your story. But it also works obviously in leadership. So can you explain a little bit why you talk about leading enrolling, and serving kind of in that, that package? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So I, yeah, I, I think, so I think that we cannot, that the point of that, of that section is I don't believe that we can lead very well by force. I just, I just don't think it works. I think, you know, there's, there's the leader that people want to follow and there's the people, the leader that people have to follow. Mm. And in my experience, the people that the leader that people want to follow is the one that does it by enrollment and by being in service of them and by really uh, holding what I call in the book, a big container for them to step into the leader that people have to follow is the leader. That's, you know, more dictatorial. They're leading by force. They're that the, the people are going to work and they're working for this leader because they have to, you know, it's their job, their job. They they're getting a paycheck. They're being told what to do. There's, you know, there's, it's a very different energy in those two different scenarios. And to me, the main difference between a leader who people want to follow versus who they have to follow, the difference is in their energetic presence, their intentions of what they have for those people and how much they invest in terms of being so present with their people that they are an invitation for them to step into leadership. So enrollment to me is just being an invitation to lead. So it's, 
you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm working with my team, how do I show up? You know, if I, if I show up in a way that's like, we got to get this stuff done and I'm not actually present and I'm, I'm being that leader by force, I'm creating resistance in the team. So we're not going to, we might still get our job done, but it's probably going to be more exhausting. It's not going to be as compelling. Uh, my team's probably not going to give me, you know, 110%. They're going to maybe give me the bare minimum. But if I can enroll them in the vision, why we're doing it, why it's important, why they're important to it. This is a really important piece I talk about in the book is, you know, really helping your people see why they're on your team and why you want them to be doing this thing. What is it about them that is so special in their own leadership that they, you're relying on them. And so being an invitation in that way, that, that in my mind is the way that we actually create more progress in our organizations, but we also create more leaders. And it's so important for leaders to create more leaders. I mean, it really, like that's, I, I feel like that's the responsibility of leaders is to continue to develop others. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, there's so, this, this is, I, this, I, this is so much fun. <laughs> there's so many places we could go with this. Um, I want to come back to a little bit of your story now. Okay. You, where where have you found the challenges in being that professional storyteller, either writing books or giving presentations or just telling the story you to a corporate team? What's one of the biggest challenges you face in storytelling? Honestly, it's it's a little bit what I talked about at the very beginning of this is I take it for granted. Hmm. I take storytelling for granted. I mean, really, Dan, I can't thank you enough for uh for asking me to think about storytelling in this way. Cause I, cause it really, it really was this, this thing where I went, Oh my gosh, I don't think of it that way. So I think my biggest challenge is I take storytelling for granted. And so there, and I, and I think it's so obvious. This is another challenge I have. I think it's so obvious. So if I have a story, if something happens, I'm a really fast processor. So you and I can have a really rough day today and you know, something blows up on our team and I am really good at going, you know, total authentic emotion, getting upset about it, being disappointed, whatever it is, really owning my emotion, processing through it quickly. And then I'm really good at going, okay, what's the learning and what are we going to do next? Mm. And that has come after years and years and years of me walking my talk in this work and really, really using these tools for resiliency. So that's awesome. It's a superpower, but any superpower is kryptonite if it's, if it's overused, right? And so what I realized with storytelling is because my arc is so quick on processing through things, I will forget the core points that could be helpful to other people to tell that story. And so there's a way that I have to, I'm gonna have to start, or I'm going to not have to, there's a way that I want to start slowing myself down to start capturing what those stories are so I don't take them for granted. It's you kind know, of... I, I, it's kind of like you can't see the forest for the trees, right? When, when you're in that, in that moment, it's hard to see. So sometimes you have to have that, that outside perspective to, to remind you, to show you, this is what you're walking through. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what like coaching and stuff comes from, right? Like that's where yeah. that goes so well. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting you bring that up because even with the IEP method, so the IEP method, when I was building this methodology out, I, I didn't know there was a methodology. I was just going in and doing work with clients for, I mean, I started this business back in 2002. Um, it was very, very uh, part-time until about 2007. I was having my babies and I was trying to figure out what that dance looked like to be a really good mom and still do really good work in the world. And so I, you know, I spent about five years kind of dabbling in both <laughs> to the best of my ability. Yeah. And then in 
2007, I started to realize, oh, there's something actually really important about what I'm doing and I'm really loving it. So in 2007, I jumped in a little bit more with two feet into building the business. And 2009, I started getting a lot of people saying, Anise, the way that you're doing work with us, it's not traditional leadership development. You know, I went in as health and productivity optimization and then leadership development. And I would get this feedback all the time. What you're doing is special. There's something that's very special, but we don't, we don't know what it is, but it's special. So I actually hired people to follow me around. So I hired somebody from who was an NLP master practitioner, neuro-linguistic programming, and I hired him to sit in on rooms with me when I was leading retreats, when I was speaking, when I was working with clients privately, and all his only job was to watch what I was doing and to model it. And modeling means basically they're, they're accurate reporting to saying, here are the common things that you keep doing over and over and over again. And it took a couple of years of that, of me, um, hiring people outside of myself to look at what I was doing to give me a better perspective for me to start going, whoa, there's actually a methodology here. There are common things that are happening that are that quote unquote secret sauce. And that is the IEP method. Hmm. And so the reason I share it is because I was so close to it and I was so taking it for granted because I just lived in it that I needed an out, I needed outside coaches and advisors and modelers and people to shine that mirror back to help me be in more service of the world with an actual framework to support people. Mm-hmm. So good. I love that. I've heard that as a thread through a couple of different shows that I've been involved with and like coaching, you have to be coachable number one, but you have to, you have to, you have to coach, get coached. Um, yeah. So yeah. So interesting that you had that outside perspective. I wondered about that. And I was going to ask about that. Like you invented this IEP method methodology. How did that work? So that's fascinating. It's so interesting yeah. that you would hire somebody like that. Well, and it was, and you know, the other thing, I mean, you talk about stories, I mean, one of my favorite stories is in 2009, so I had, had not named it IEP yet, I had not named it that, but I knew the components, I knew what was important to me in my work with people, and I would go into organizations, Dan, and I would say, okay, we're going to work on, you know, your intentions, we're going to work on your, your well-being, you know, that's the thing that people always are shocked when they hire me is, I actually want to focus on their physical and emotional well-being before we do anything else. And they're like, wait, no, I want to do leadership development. Well, you can't lead well if you're burnt out and exhausted and not present. So we're going to start there. But I would, I would go in and I would tell companies, okay, we're going to work on this stuff first. And they'd go, oh gosh, you know what? That's so sweet. Uh, that's very, 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 very soft. That's very woo-woo. You know, we don't want to talk about vibrational energy and health and all this stuff. Like that's the soft stuff. Give us the hard stuff. Like we want the, we want the, the real stuff. And for a while I would go in and I would do that and uh, I would sneak in the IEP work at that, which at that point wasn't called IEP, but I would sneak it in and then we would get good results. And in 2009, I was working with a company and the company had a hard stop. They were like, we don't want you to talk about energetic presence. We don't want you to talk about their well-being. This, we just want skills, teach them uh, feedback, leadership skills, communication skills, and how to have hard conversations. And I worked with this company for a couple months. And then what happened was we weren't getting anywhere. And what I knew was that I could give them all the best skills in the world, like phenomenal skills, but their IEP was not right. Their intentions weren't lining up. Their energy was not great and they weren't present. And so now you've got, imagine you have all this beautiful feedback, beautiful feedback skills, but your IEP, your intentions, your energy, and your presence underneath the feedback skills, when you're giving them to people, they're not, it's not effective. So you're not, you're not going to get your results. So I went back to the company and I just said, Hey, look, you know, I can see where we're stuck and I need to bring the IEP work in 
um, in order to help us really do what I see we can do here. And if you don't want me to do that, it's fine, but I'm going to actually refer you to another consultant who will teach it the way you want it. Cause I ethically, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And that was it. And the company said, no, we're in, we're invested. We trust you. Like go for it. Nice. So then I brought the IEP work in and Dan, a month later, they called me up and they said, uh, Denise, you really let us down. I said, you really let us down. And I, and I, even though this was 2009, I can still, it's 2019 now, it's 10 years later. I still can feel the feeling I had in my body when they said, they said, you let us down. Yeah. I said, wow, what, how did I let you down? I, I thought things were going really well. And they said, yes, things are going fantastic. Had you stood stronger for your work three months ago, we would have saved all this time. You should have stood stronger. If your knowingness had been stronger than our doubt, we would have believed you sooner and we would have had you come in. And that, Dan, was a, or we would have had you do it your way originally. That to me was a life-changing moment. It changed my life because I was pissed and I was not pissed at them. I was pissed at me because it was like, I knew where I'd compromised my own energetic presence, trying to meet them where they were at. I knew where I'd gone, okay, all right, you guys, it's, you're not ready for it, all right, I'm gonna soften it. And as soon as they, as soon as I actually stood for it, then it, then it totally changed the game and we went back and um, that company ended up getting great results with the work. I've worked with them, I still work with them sometimes. Um, and the impact of that is I went back to my company afterwards with my team and I said, all right, from now on, we start with the IEP work, period. Like it, it's, it's a non-starter. I'm, it, it was such a great visceral physiological gift for me to have because I still feel it in my body. If I ever doubt myself, all I gotta do is remember that moment. And I'm like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. And um, went back and we ended up letting go about 50% of our clients referring them out to other people because they didn't want to go with the IEP work. And the people that stayed and we did the IEP work with, they completely changed the game. It changed the business. Couple years later, I finally came up with a name for it, and then that really opened up. So we've been able to help so many more people. So very long story, but that's no, that's great. Cool. And how many of those that you let go have come back and said, "Wait, no, wait, now we see it." <laughs> Some, you know, it's it's Some. been really funny. I'll, I'll get I'll get emails from people. I got an email from somebody I met in a conference. I met a guy at a conference 2008, and it was at one of the Inc. 500 conferences. And when I had met him. He had said, oh my gosh, I would never spend a penny on what you do. It's ridiculous. Like you seriously get paid to do this. And I was like, yeah. And I remember very clearly he was, he was in the 200s on the list. He was in 200s. I won't say the name or the number or anything, but he was in the 200s. And he goes, you know, and he's, can you get me to stop throwing phones at my people? And I said, uh, do you want to stop throwing phones at your people? And he said, no, it's very effective. My people are afraid of me. And look at us. We're like number 200 and something. Like clearly it works. I'm not going to stop throwing phones at my people. So I said, you're totally not my person. I, like, great. That's Let me know okay. how it goes. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so curious to see where you guys are out of here from now. I don't know what happened to them. I haven't seen them since. Um, but my point being is that that same person, there was a couple people we were with. One of them reached out to me five years later and said, I was intrigued by this because you seemed so, uh, you know, you seemed like you were, it was, it seemed, you know, because, it seemed a little bit out there, but you also seemed like you really believed in it. He goes, so I've been following you. And he goes, and then I had a coach um, start to follow you. And he's been working with me on your stuff. And he said, I just want to call you five years later and say, I'm really sorry. Cause I thought you were totally nuts five years ago, but this has actually been really important for my business and for my marriage. And do you want to come talk at my next event? So it's like, you just never know. You just, yeah. you just don't know. So 
That's awesome. Yeah. How do you how do you walk the line between the confidence and the knowing that it works, and and then the other side of that is like, well, because like, so here's so here's what I heard when they when they didn't want to do the IEP method, they said just bring us the the list as you call it in the book. Um, yeah. Give me give me the to do list. Uh, yep. You know, I feel like okay, I'm gonna do it your way. I'm gonna prove you wrong because if I just say you're wrong now, you probably won't hear me. So. Yeah in a not smart ass way, I want to prove you wrong. So you ask me, but then they yeah. were like, you should have had the confidence. How do you right. walk? How do you, how do you negotiate that? How do you navigate those waters? It's, it's such, that's such, I love That's such a great question. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how I navigate those waters. I mean, that's, that's an honest, I think for me, every single situation is different. And I think the learning that I've had is this, I believe with my whole heart in this work, I, I know it works for me. I've seen it work for thousands and thousands of people. I believe that when people are uh, ready for it and they want it, if they're willing to step in and do the work and, and suspend any, you know, any of their resistance around it, then I believe it can do really beautiful things. Mm -hmm. I also believe that whenever anybody's like, give me the list, I don't want to do this IEP stuff, give me just, just the facts, ma'am. I also believe that that is totally perfect. And that's exactly where they're at. And that if I can still be an invitation to them, this is why in the last chapter of the book, I'm like, here, here are your lists. Like, here's everything you guys asked for. If you're not ready to like play with this other stuff, like just here's your list. Um, I, I, I think, I think for me, Dan, I think part of the gift of that 2009 was that it was such a spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, um, uh, like slap on my space. And, and I say slap in like the best way possible. It was such a jolt for me that it kind of changed me and it had me get really um had, had me get really present to the idea that everybody is exactly where they're at and none of us are better than anybody else we're we're just because you've got the iep stuff down does not mean you're better than somebody who's totally resistant to it just, you know and vice versa mm -hmm. it's just we're all where we're at and if we can honor that in honor that we're all on our own path and we're here to we're here to learn from each other, then I think we're in really good shape. And so, you know, I also know that I'm constantly learning. So I've been building this workout for 20 years. Every single day, I find some new place where I'm like, ooh, I can actually, you know, here's a here's a thing that creates energetic contraction for me. I want to learn more about this. Or wow, here's something I just did. I'm not I'm not actually getting the result I want to have right now. So how am I shut? So I, I, I guess I guess the very that's a very long answer to just saying, um, it's trusting that we're all exactly where we need to be. It's coming from love all the time. It is trusting my own knowingness and letting that be stronger than their doubt and then also honoring their doubt. And if that happens, then it's more, it, it just creates more peace and then that peace is contagious. And then there might be something where they go, huh, maybe I want to pay attention to this and maybe they look at it later. But I have, I have zero attachment at this point to proving it or to forcing anybody into it. I just want to offer it to the world. And if they want to play with it, then have a ball. If they want to play with that, it, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, so you, you, you said the word uh, soft a couple of times, like soft skills, I, I, I picture. Uh -huh. And, and I see that sometimes you know, I, I'm active on LinkedIn and I see that a lot is when we we're talking about, you know, Simon Sinek or Seth Godin or others who talk about this, find your why and, and all this stuff. We call them soft skills. Yeah. Things like empathy, things like being president, uh, present, uh, yeah. your, your energy. Why have those soft skills, do you think, become so much more at the front of our interactions with people and our, and our growth and leadership and stuff? Yeah, I, I'm going to bring it back to connection and feeling yeah. seen. I think, 
I think it is, I think that the greatest gift we can give, I mean, I, I actually get emotional thinking about this. It's like, I believe that the greatest gift we can give another human being is our presence, um, our, uh, our, our connection with them, um, and to see, to actually see them, to, to be able to see the other human being in front of us, not to move past them really quick as they're like, they're irrelevant or some kind of an object, but just to really see and connect with them. And so I think that when we hold a positive intention for each other and we're very, very present, I think that that feels so good. And that makes us, you know, we're, we're at a point in time right now where we've got more ways to multitask, more ways to connect and all, and yet we are more isolated than ever. And part of the reason why we're more isolated is because we are moving so fast and we're so focused on our busyness and all these other pieces. When you actually stop and get present with someone and see them and have empathy for them, you now create an intangible connection, which is all about the heart. So I, I think, I think the heart, I think that, I think that we need that more now and we're paying more attention to it. Mike drop moment. It's all about the heart. I love that. It's all about the heart. That's it. It's all about the heart. I mean, every, every single question, even the, you know, how do you walk the line uh, between, you know, this and that and the not making them wrong, but inviting them to step in. Like every single thing you and I have talked about, I think I'll bet you we could track all of it back down to the heart, even down to storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm telling a story and it's really coming from the heart, I can't really tell that story wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, miss, miss, I'm not a storyteller. I know. <laughs> if someone. Look what a good coach you are. Look what you did in under an hour. Look what you've done, Dan. Turn me into a storyteller. There you go. Catalyst coach. That's what I need to be. Um, <laughs> so I want to get to my last question about storytelling in just a minute here. Uh, but first of all, I want to give you an opportunity to make sure everybody listening who has absolutely fallen in love with your work and what you're doing here. Um, every storyteller out there that needs to get present, that needs to be intentional, they need to go through the IEP method and use this. Where can they find you? What's the best way to connect with Anise Kavanaugh? Great. AniseKavanaugh.com. Um, I'm out there on Twitter. All my, all my Twitter, LinkedIn, everything is Anise Kavanaugh, Instagram, Facebook. It's, cool. it's, very, it's very unique. There's also a very uh, special secret site, which is IEP.io. Uh, which you guys are welcome to go and download tools and resources for free. We've got IEP sheets on there, virtual presence kits, uh, all sorts of stuff. So that those are those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And then of course to to get the books. Like please please grab a copy of the book so you can start playing with this in a way that really resonates for you. And like I said, I'm not attached to anybody adopting it exactly as it is. I just want people to have the invitation to start showing up for themselves even more so we can have even more positively and usefully contagious existences together. Absolutely. And there's great stories in the book and then a ton of, uh, I don't want to call it homework, but like work through stuff. So great stuff. <laughs> um, so Anise, even though you're not a storyteller, if someone were to say to you today, you can no longer be a storyteller, you have to find something else to do. What do you, what would you want to end with? What would your last story be? Oh, my last story. I can never tell a story again. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Find something else to do. <laughs> well, see, like, I, I feel like I'm such a contradiction on this entire call because, um, <laughs> because I'm like, how do you live and not tell a story? Uh, all right. If I, if I couldn't tell my last, okay. So my favorite story, this is just the one that's coming up for me is, um, well, there's two. There's there's a there's a Shapocalypse story and there's a fireman story. Which one would do you want me to tell the story or do you want me to just? I'd love to hear one of them. Sure. What, which one do you feel more pulled towards, Shapocalypse or fireman? 
I don't know what Shapocalypse is. Let's hear that one. The Shapocalypse? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the Shapocalypse is, and I've talked about this on stages. Sometimes I'll, I'll often bring this into my talks because it was one of the most profound experiences of my life around really being, um, I actually have never told a story. I've never told this story on a podcast. So, so you heard it here, Dan. Um, okay. So uh, a couple of years ago, I am at the mall with my daughter and we were shopping for her uh, sixth grade graduation dress, which you and I daughters are the same age. So you may or may not remember what that's like if you got the privilege of going to do that. Do you remember that, Dan? Uh, so so it's, it's funny, complete side note, when you talk about graduation, so many schools yeah. do a graduation for like almost every grade now that I'm kind of yes. over it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Thank you. But yes. Uh -huh. but yes. Yes. Right. Great segue into my story. So it's sixth grade graduation. We have the same thing. It's, and, and I actually wasn't graduation. It was, it's promotion. It's promotion. So, but it's a big thing and the kids all need fancy dresses. And so I'm thinking like, you just, let's just get you a cute little dress and be done with it. But she wants to try on like the dresses. And so we're at the mall, we're trying on dresses. We're at store number six, dress number 18. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, you know, I love my kids more than ever. I'm dying. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, you know, and she's coming out in her dresses and as a dad, I know you can appreciate it. Her dress is like way low cut and way short, and way not appropriate. And I keep saying, turn around and go back in, turn around and go back in. And a couple of times during this interaction, I keep thinking to myself, I'd rather be doing anything except for this. And uh, I get my wish because my son calls and my son is at home and he says, hey, mom, you got to turn on the security cameras in the backyard. You're not going to believe what's here. And I turn up the security cameras and in the back, and I don't have the visuals with the visuals when I give these talks, they totally help. But in the back, there's basically sheep that have gotten in my backyard. So a very long story short is there's about 120 sheep, Dan, that by the oh. time I get from the mall to home, there's when, when, when Jake called me, there was 20 sheep. By the time I get home a half an hour later, there are now 120 sheep in my backyard that have broken through the wrought iron fence. And the pictures are hilarious. They've broken through the wrought iron fence and they've come in and they have completely destroyed the yard. And, and we're talking wrought iron fence. We're talking Superman, like Superman pulled the bars apart. And, you know, uh, I, I get home, you know, I, I got to get out of doing the dress thing. I'm like laughing. because I'm like, I said, I want to be doing anything else but this. Now I'm going to go navigate a bunch of sheep. Right. So I, I kind of created that and uh, home and there's all these sheep and you look at the backyard, there's poop everywhere. They've torn up the water line. It's just, it's completely, it's, it's the shapocalypse. So in this, my kids are having an absolute ball. They're running around. They're, you know, hurting the sheep. My son is Snapchatting the whole thing. My daughter's luring them to the roses. And I am totally freaking out because one, I, I don't know what you do with 120 sheep. Like, I don't know how you get 120 sheep out of your yard. I feel completely like overwhelmed by it. And two, I had just the week before was my birthday. And so I had just invested in all these upgrades in my landscaping. And so it's totally destroyed. So I'm totally ticked off. My kids are super in their glory. I start freaking out. I start yelling at the sheep. I'm banging my hands. I'm screaming at the sheep to go back down. The sheep start freaking out. My kids catch my vibe. My kids start freaking out. Before you know it, we've got a woman and her two children and 120 sheep, and it's just complete chaos. And I look at my cute little kids who just before were so in their bliss like so happy. My son had made some comment like, mom, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us, you know? And like, he was so happy and I've ruined it. 
Uh, in under a minute, I have ruined this magical experience for my children. And because of my energy and what I brought into it and the way that I responded, not, I was not present. I was completely out of control. Um, I, I've ruined this beautiful little moment for them. And so I stop and this, and this is the part that was the most meaningful to me is I'm noticing the chaos in the apocalypse in the backyard and I stop and I take a deep breath and I do what I talk about with the IEP method and I stop and I take a breath and I, I close my eyes and I do what I call the bubble. And I talk about this in the book, I bubble up. And in the bubble, the whole point of the bubble is just to remind ourselves that we have our own space. We are in control of how we react, even though there's craziness going on outside. Um, and that we get to decide how we want to show up in it. And in that bubble, I ask myself, you know, what's the experience I want to create? How do I want to show up for my kids, the sheep for myself right now? What's the gift? Because there's always a gift. And then what's next? And when I open my eyes about 30, 60 seconds later, I look around down and everything is totally different. Like I've got 120 beautiful little sheep in my backyard. And I start to notice there's baby sheep and they're painted. Some of them have numbers painted on them and they're different colors and they're overeating the rose bushes and the mom's like, there's a mom that's like kind of cuddling the sheep, moving them over to the cute little baby roses. And it's like this completely different experience, hmm. except for it's the exact same thing. And my kids, like I calm down and this all happens in under, um, it's fast. I calm down and I stop freaking out. I look at my kids, my kids calm down and my kids start, you know, petting the sheep and, you know, luring the sheep to new bushes. And the shepherd shows up finally and the shepherd comes in and he's super calm and he walks around and all he says is he just he gets the sheep out by just saying, shh, 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 shh. Like just so gentle, everything is so calm and so gentle. And two minutes before it was, it was insane. Wow. And the only thing that changed in that moment was literally me taking a breath, getting control of my state again, and then looking at considering that there might be something really awesome going on. Mm. And those sheep very gently, they walked out, they left within an hour and a half, the apocalypse is over, the yard is destroyed. My kids and I go in, we order pizza, we Snapchat the rest of it. Um, and then, and then because I was in a better state, I was able to start looking at the metaphor because I'm one of those people that believes that everything happens for a reason. And so I was like Googling sheep totems and what does it mean when a sheep crosses your path and how does supply to business? <laughs> like I, I was able to turn that entire apocalypse into something that actually had a huge impact on the business, had a huge impact on our licensing models, had a huge impact actually on how I work with clients now. Um, but I would not have been able to do that if I had not had the presence of mind to stop in chaos and to get really clear and intentional with how I want to show up with what was going on. Hmm. So if I could never tell a story again, as funny as that one is, that or as, as bizarre as that one is, it's kind of like the invitation of people is to look at what, what are your sheep in your life? Where are you heading for a apocalypse? Where are you letting little things come through and you're not present to it? And where is the way that you're responding to the chaos of your life right now actually creating more chaos and so contagious? And what's the little thing you can do to stop? So. That'd be a good one to go out on. That's Thanks awesome. So. Man, so good. Anise, thank you again for being a part of this. Uh, what a great conversation. I knew it'd be amazing, but it's it, above and beyond. So thank you for being a part of the Storytellers Network. Thank you so much for having me.
Once again, thank you so much, Anise Kavanaugh, and thank you for writing Contagious Culture and Contagious You. You can connect with Anise at the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, please consider sharing it with others who might get something out of it as well, which is basically, as you heard Anise say, human beings. Just everybody. We can all lead ourselves better. Share it to social media, text somebody, email it, whatever you do to share it. I appreciate that very much. And if you want to share your story with me, go to thestorytellersnetwork.com and hit contact Dan on the contact page. Send me an email and let me know what you love or don't love about the show. Or just send me an email right now, dan at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.